Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. This morning we're in Romans chapter 8. The last several weeks we've been looking at the book of Romans and we've been discovering uh, how this really has, the book of Romans is almost set up as if Paul is writing a, a modern day uh, screenplay or a movie. Uh, we talked about how uh, it begins with the fact that we are truly up a creek without a paddle because uh, we have sin that has entered into the world. We uh, see that, that uh, Paul talks about how uh, we're in... Uh, uh, not only have sinned in our own lives, but we're born into sin. He talks about how the law condemns us to sin. And so uh, uh, then as Paul has laid out the message all along, he, he leads us up to the point of, of understanding that we have grace and that we have uh, God's grace that is supplied for us uh, a way of, of going beyond the condemnation of the law. And uh, we come now to a, a new turning point in the study of the book of Romans. Uh, so if we summarize basically all the things that, uh, that we've learned thus far is <coughs> the, we need to understand first and foremost that there is uh, that we are all uh, condemned by sin, that we all have sin and there's nothing that we can do. Uh, apart from the grace of God that allows us to come into His presence. There's nothing that we can do. We, we've just been utterly condemned by the law and, there, and we are uh, at the mercy of God, but God supplied His grace and it's only through His grace and love and only through uh, the power of what Jesus Christ has done that we are able to, to come into the presence of God, that we're able to reunite with God. And we talked uh, extensively about God's grace and about the grace of God that He's provided for us. And so now we come to the uh, eighth chapter of, of Romans and we begin to talk about what it's like to live in that grace. Paul, uh, in chapters 1 through 7, has basically laid out the plan of salvation, laid out for us how we can see a need for a Savior, how we can understand that God provided that need, how Jesus Christ provided for us by dying a substitutionary death on the cross of Calvary and how His uh, through His blood that was shed for us, He covers over our sins so that we can have the grace of God applied to our lives. Now we come to a point of what do we do now that we are Christians? What do we do now that we do have life, a new life in us? All the way through chapters 1 through 7, Paul did not speak once, but once, only once, about the Holy Spirit. Now in the 8th chapter of, of the book of Romans, Paul begins to speak about the Holy Spirit. And he mentions the Holy Spirit 19 times just in this one chapter of Romans. Romans chapter 8. 19 times... In this one chapter, we hear 
Paul talk about our relationship to God and the relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit. <coughs> and we see that this is a, a life changer for us. <coughs> Paul also talks about how uh, all the way from chapters 1 through 7, it's, he talks about our old self, our old life, the old way in which we live there. And he, and, uh, he, he speaks about this also in the book of Ephesians when he, he talks to them. But in his letter to the church at Rome, he talks about uh, how, be, how we uh, have an old self and that that old self needs to be laid to rest, to, to death in Jesus Christ, laid uh, in uh, participating with Him in death on the cross of Calvary and how we need to be risen anew with Him in new life as He rose from the grave. We covered all of this in the last several chapters. Look with me in, in the first couple of verses of Romans chapter 8. It says, Therefore there is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. He says, now we come to a point where we're not living in the flesh any longer. We're living in the Spirit. Why? Because we've been buried with Christ. We're no longer alive. We, and I talked about how grace is relate, in, relation to, in relationship to our sin is, is that, uh, look, we dealt with the fact that uh, he used the analogy of marriage. Uh, you know, marriage is a wonderful thing and you expect to spend your whole life with that uh, that man or that woman that you marry. That's the hope when you uh, say your vows on your wedding day. And God calls us to keep those wedding vows throughout our life. And He says, but uh, as illustrated in the last chapter, chapter 7, He says, but once you uh, have, uh, if you have a, a, a wife whose husband passes away, she's no longer married to that man. He's dead to uh, that relationship. He's dead to the law that bound them together. She has no binding in the law uh, to that marriage because her husband is dead. She's no longer able to be, uh, they're no longer able to be husband and wife because he's no longer alive. And Paul says, look, we need to be dead to our sin, dead to our relationship, dead in our old self uh, to the things that condemned us to the, li uh, the life of sin. And we're now made free from that relationship of of being uh, united with sin because we're no longer alive. He says, now we have a new life. He says, therefore, that now we're living in an age where we're, we have no condemnation because of what Jesus Christ has done. When we accept Jesus into our heart and life, we can't be condemned for our sin. Why? Because all that condemnation has, has been laid at the feet of Jesus, at the foot of the cross. And he says, we walk not in the flesh anymore. We're not in the old sinful flesh that we once wore, but we live in the Spirit. And he's talking about not just living as a ghost or an ethereal uh, uh, spirit, but he's talking more about the Spirit of, Jesus, of God. The Spirit. We live in the Spirit. He says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. And so he says, look, we're no longer in the flesh. We're dead to that flesh because of what Jesus Christ has done in for us 
to condemn sin, not to condemn us. Jesus Christ came so that instead, uh, when you die, when you and I, if, if Jesus Christ doesn't come back in our lifetime, it's inevitable that all of us are going to die one day. If the Lord tarries, then every one of us who's made, uh, who's drawn a breath in life will one day die. It's, it's true for the little baby as it is for the 96-year-old. We're all going to face death at one point in our life if, it is, if the Lord tarries and doesn't come back to take us home to be with Him. And so when we accept Jesus Christ into our life, we're no longer condemned by that death of the penalty of sin. When we die, we're going to go and we're going to face the ultimate judge. Uh, God's going to sit on His throne and, and Paul is saying, look, we're no longer condemned under the penalty of sin of what we've done. And I've talked about uh, illustrations before of, of speeding down the highway and being taken before a judge uh, because we've been speeding. And, and the officer says, look, this, this person is, was caught speeding down 19, uh, 95 miles an hour in a 55-mile-an-hour zone. He sa- and he says, by all rights, this person should have their license taken away and be put in jail for uh, uh, endangerment of the public. And, and the judge says, guilty, slams his gavel down. Then the police officer says, uh, judge, I want to make sure that this individual doesn't go to jail, doesn't spend one day in jail, doesn't have anything on his record. He says, I'm going to pay the penalty. I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to substitute for this individual so he can go on his way. That's a, a slight image of what Jesus Christ did for us. When we die, we're going to stand before the ultimate judge and God, and He's going to look at us and He's going to say, Sinner, guilty, boom. But Jesus is going to say, Oh, but He's covered by the blood. He, she's covered by my blood. She no longer has to pay that penalty. He no longer is, sin, is guilty because I've paid the price. This is one of mine. And God will say, no longer condemned. No longer guilty. Enter into heaven. And that's what Paul's talking about through the, uh, through the work of Jesus Christ, through His death on the cross. He paid the penalty for us. Look at verse 4. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. He says, now, you need to understand, the law wasn't given to condemn us, but to free us. The law was given so that we would understand that we had a need for a Savior and that we, through the law, might understand the the price that was paid for us, the the penalty that we don't have to live under. And we are no longer living in the flesh, but in the Spirit, which means we're no longer condemned by the law. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. He says, look... 
If you're in the flesh, if you're going to remain in the flesh, there's no way that you can please God. There's nothing you can do that can pay the penalty for your sin. There's nothing that you can do. The laws condemned you. And, and you know, uh, there's several people, uh, different organizations and different people that, that use the Ten Commandments to help people to understand the need that they have for a Savior. Uh, you know, most people say, well, I'm not a murderer. I'm not a... Uh, I'm not a uh, 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 terrorist. I'm not a bank robber. I'm not uh, all of these things. I, I'm certainly going to go to heaven. And, and they begin to use the Ten Commandments and say, okay, uh, uh, have you ever um, taken a pen from the bank uh, by mistake? Have you ever uh, written a, a check or written a, a deposit slip and, and instead of putting that pen down, put it in your purse or put it in your pocket? That's stealing. Doesn't matter if it's uh, something as simple as a an ink pen that they give away to you. If you took it without their uh, permission, that's stealing. If you've ever cheated on your taxes, that's stealing. If you've ever uh, not told someone the absolute truth when they confronted you and you told them a white lie, quote, quote unquote, that's a sin. That's 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 just as bad as as. Uh, uh, killing someone, Jesus said, uh, "It doesn't matter if you've ever hated someone in your heart. That's as guilt. You're as guilty as murdering them as you are of hating them." He says, "If you ever had an impure thought in your mind about someone of the opposite sex, just because you haven't gone out and committed adultery with your body, Jesus says you've done it with your mind. You're just as guilty as someone who's committed adultery with your body as if uh, when you." Uh, lust after someone in the flesh all of those if you've ever wanted something that somebody else had you've been sitting uh, in your car at a stoplight and all of a sudden the car pulls up and it's one of those bright shiny Bentleys or or beautiful BMWs or or uh, immaculate uh, uh, Mercedes Benz or anything like that or how about a car that just runs evenly and doesn't sputter and sput and spew a bunch of, ga- of, of cloud of of smoke behind you and you said oh I just wish so much that we had something I wish I was that person with that car that's coveting in your heart that's having a desire in your heart that's just the same as as stealing it from them so all of those things condemn us he says uh, verse 9 but ye are not in the flesh but in the spirit and if so, that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. He says, no longer are you condemned by the flesh because you have been buried, uh, been crucified and died with Jesus Christ in your sin. You have laid that all at the, at the foot of the cross. And he says, now you are a child of... Uh, you are no longer condemned in the flesh because you're not of the flesh you're of the spirit he says when you do that you're no longer a part of the flesh but you're in the spirit and the spirit of god dwells in you and if you don't have the spirit of god in you you're not a part of god and if christ be in you verse 10 
If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Paul's saying, look, listen, if you've given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, if you've accepted His wonderful gift of salvation, if you've laid all of your burden of the sin of your life on, at the foot of the cross and said, I can't possibly pay this penalty because I, I have no way of doing that. I am guilty of my sin. But because Jesus Christ, you died for me on the cross because you took my place, I can lay this at the, at the foot of the cross and I no longer have that as sin in my life. That, he says, you're dead to that sin. You're no longer a part of that sin. You no longer have that sin in your life. You, it's as if you died right there at the foot of the cross with Jesus Christ. And they buried, when they buried Jesus, they buried you as well. And when Jesus rose from the grave on the third day, you rose with Him in new life in the Spirit. You're no longer a part of the, of the flesh, but you are part of His Spirit. His Spirit dwells in you. He says in verse, uh, verse 11, But if the Spirit of Him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall He also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit and dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you live through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. He says, look, you're no longer a part of the flesh. You're no longer, you, as a child of God, here's how you can live your life in the, in the Spirit. You know, if you are no longer... Uh, if you've given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, you're no longer of this world. He says, it says, if you have died and you no longer exist, but Christ lives in you. And because of that, you're a child of the spirit and you don't live in relation to this flesh that you once did, but you live in the spirit. He says, verse 14, for, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. In your new relationship with God, you, you now are a child of God. He says, look, it's not as though, as though Jesus just said, and a lot of people don't get this. A lot of people don't understand this. When they give their heart and life to Jesus Christ, they think that Jesus merely paid the penalty of their sin and they're no longer condemned by that sin. That is true. But that's not all that's true. Here's what God does to seal that. And, and look, if you've ever given your heart and life to Jesus Christ and you've had doubts about your relationship to Jesus, if you've ever had a, a doubt about what Christ has done for you, these are the verses you need to listen. Verse 14 through 17, you need to make these a part of your life. You need to write them on, on a piece of paper and post it on your, on your mirror so that you read it every day. He says, look, if you're a child, if you have accepted Jesus into your heart, if you've accepted the gift of, of Christ, not only was that a gift of, of having your sins forgiven, no longer, it's not just simply that you have had the penalty paid for you and you've been set free. He says, to cement that, God made you a part of the family. He says, he said, it's not just simply that you've been made, it's just not that you've had your 
Uh, look, there's a lot of preachers that talk about when you give your heart and life to Jesus that God opens the book of all the things in your life and He erases all the sin that ever was a part of your life and He just forgets it all. Yeah, that's true. But what makes it even more amazing is is that the King Himself, God, puts beside our name where all those sins once were recorded, child of God. My child. No longer are we just simply... Uh, it's, it's like we've been taken out of the old family of Adam and we've been moved into the new family of Jesus Christ. We're no longer a part of that... Uh, that uh, birthright of Adam of being born into sin, we are now part of the birthright of Jesus Christ where we have life, that we have a new life in Jesus Christ. He says, uh, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God to give their heart and life to Jesus, they are the sons of God, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. He says, look, you don't have to fear anymore about the condemnation of the law. You don't have to fear anything about uh, how your sin is going to keep you away from uh, your relationship to God. You no longer have to worry about having fear. You know, I had a I had a friend in my life uh, as a young person that every moment, every moment that they thought to pray, they always prayed, oh, Jesus, please forgive me everything I've done. It's, it was as if they were asking Jesus to save them once again every time they prayed because they were so fearful that, that they were doing something that, that was against God's desire for their life, that they were sinning, and that God would have rejected them because of the fact that they had sin in their life. So every time he got behind the, the steering wheel to drive when he was a new driver, he prayed, uh, Oh God, please forgive me all my sins, and Lord, let me be your... Uh, you know, come into my life and let it's like he was asking to be saved all over again. Every time he sat down behind the wheel, every time he sat down to eat a meal, he'd pray the same way. Every time he'd go to bed at night, he'd pray the same way. Every time he got up in the morning, he'd pray the same. It's as if he didn't believe that that God had the power to cover his sins enough. So he was praying that God would would forgive him again. Paul says you don't have to have that fear. You've not received a a spirit of bondage in that you are enslaved to God because of what He's done for you. He's liberated you from the bondage of of the slavery to sin. He's made you not a child of forever worrying about whether or not you have a good relationship with God to becoming a child who's been adopted into the family to the point where... It, it, but listen, listen. When you go and you meet somebody, say you meet somebody brand new, or you're new to your job, you go and you meet the boss, you go meet someone who has a lot of authority, 
and you're beholden to that person and it's as if uh, you know, you're trying to impress them, you're trying to have a good relationship with them, getting off on the right foot. And maybe sometimes they'll invite you to their home for a barbecue or they'll invite you over uh, to, uh, uh, to their house to, to have an evening of, of just uh, socializing with them and, and other people. And let's say you you're invited and you find you get the address and you go and you're uh, and you find out where this person lives and you find out that they live in the ritzy part of town and the further you drive into their neighborhood the more you feel as though you don't belong there because you don't have the kind of money that they have and you don't have the status they have you don't have the wealth that they have then you find the address and it's a house that looks like an, a, a, it's just a huge estate and it's got a big gilded fence around the house and it's got all kinds of greenery and everything and it's not one of them places where the the driveway is about big enough for a car it's got a long driveway that goes all the way back into where the house is (coughs) and it's almost like you're going on a tour of the whole property just to go up the driveway it's so long that mean that's that that equals wealth okay when you got a driveway like that it's a whole long driveway and it's all paved and it's immaculate and you get there and you're afraid to even leave your car out in the front because it looks like somebody broke down there instead of somebody that belongs there and you have somebody come out and they take your keys and they say we'll take care of your car you go on inside and 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 so you go in there and you immediately you feel like you're underdressed you you feel like you don't belong you feel like you ought to be going in the back to help out the help instead of going in the front you get in there and and uh, and your host comes out and he greets you and he's warm and welcoming you and and you start to feel a little bit at ease and he takes you around and he shows you everything that's there in the house and he shows you all the big uh, game room that they've got that's got billiards and darts and all kinds of stuff and and then he takes you into another room that's a library where he's got just walls and walls of books all over the place and he's got overstuffed chairs that are leather and and a fireplace and all that and chandeliers coming out of the ceiling and and he takes you into another room and it's the dining room and there's a table big enough to seat 20 people there and and it's all just beautifully appointed and got crystal and it's got uh, all kinds of china on the table and flowers just all over the place and then he takes you into another room and it's a sitting room and it it's just got warmth and a fireplace and it's got a, and you just feel like if you sit down, you're going to contaminate this place because you don't feel like you belong there. And then the host looks you in the eye and he says, I want you to feel at home. And you think, oh, I can't possibly feel at home. I can't possibly feel that way. And he looks at you and he said, and, and he says, I want you to just sit here and act like all this belongs to you. In fact, all this belongs to you. You're part of the family now. You, you, you're just as much a part of the family as my wife and my child. You belong here. You can't believe it. You laugh and you scoff and you think, there's no way. But that's exactly what God did. 
He invited you into His presence. And you don't, you can't possibly imagine as if you belong there because you know that you had sin in your life. But God says, oh no, you have the blood of Jesus Christ on you. You don't have that sin anymore. It, you're, you're made clean. You can come into my presence. And God not only allowed you to come into His presence, He invited you up and to see His throne and to see all that's in His kingdom. And He says, look around around my child because this all belongs to you look around you're just as much a part of my child as my son who died for you on the cross he says you're a part of the family you're a part of my family and this all belongs to you he makes you feel as though you belong because now you do he says You've not received a, a spirit of bondage because you've been set free. You've been adopted to the point where you're not calling him sir. You're not calling him king. You're saying daddy. Abba, father. That's what that means. Jesus used that word in his prayer in the midst of his anguish and, and his deep, dark uh, prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross. He used the name Abba for Father. Talking to God the Father. And Jesus used that word. You used that word. It says here, Paul says, you have the right to even call out to God in the same way that Jesus did. Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Look, you, you scoff and you say, oh, I don't possibly, I can't possibly feel that way. No, no, I can't possibly be uh, an heir. I, it's, not, it's not like all this is all mine. Paul says, look, the Spirit who dwells in you, the Spirit of God that came in you to forgive you of your sin, the Spirit of God that came and washed you and made you clean and allows you to come into the presence of God also is within you. And He's the one, not you, He's the one that bears witness that says you belong. You're a child. You're a child of God. He says it's not something... And look, Paul does this many times. He says, look, it's nothing you've done. It's what God's done. It's what God is doing in your life. The Spirit of God that has come to dwell in you when you accept Jesus into your heart and life, He's the one who says, this one's mine. This one belongs. This one's a part of the family. This one's part of the family. It's, it's like... I remember I, as a child, I loved some different movies. I loved, uh, I loved uh, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis movies. I, I loved going home on Sunday afternoon. and It seemed like for a stretch there, there was a TV station that, that every after, Sunday afternoon they had a, a Martin and Lewis uh, uh, show on. Another one that I really loved was Danny Kaye. I loved those, those movies that Danny Kaye had. There was one in which... He was. It was set back in the time uh, of uh, like Arthur and Camelot and all that kind of stuff. And and there was a a, a baby that they were trying to find that was a part of the fa royal family. And I all one of the things I remember the most was that they uh, when they found the baby, they saw that the baby had a distinctive 
uh, birthmark that indicated that that was a baby that was that was the heir. And I can remember Daddy Kay holding the baby and, and pulling back the covers and showing that, that birthmark to everybody and everybody would uh, kneel down because this was the heir. And he'd turn this way and he'd move it and they'd see the birthmark and all these people would kneel down. Look, the Spirit of God is your birthmark that tells, uh, tells everyone that you're a child of God, that you belong to the King, that you're one of the children of God. He says, and if you're a child verse 17 then you are an heir of God and join heirs with Christ and if so be that we suffer that with him that we may be also glorified together he says this is how you live in the spirit a lot of us have problems with sin once we become christian a lot of us have problems with dealing with the sin problem and that's really a problem with our old self we want to, it's like we've buried our old self and we're living a new life and we're 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 pulling around that old corpse with us we're uh, instead of burying it Bearing that old corpse and put him in the ground. That's what we do when someone passes away, right? We have a nice funeral for them. We lay them out here. Let everybody see that person. That person's passed away. We close the lid of the coffin. We take them out to the funeral, uh, out to the cemetery, and we lower them in the ground and we cover them up with dirt. And they're no longer. We don't. Uh, that's it. We might go and visit the, the grave. We might look at the gravestone. We might even talk to that person as if they're sitting right there. But we don't. We don't dig them up out of the grave and open the casket and cart them back home, do we? We don't set them back in a car beside us and drive home and take them inside and set them up in the chair uh, in the living room, do we? We know. We leave them in the cemetery. And our problem uh, when we become Christians is is that our old self is is dead and buried to our sin, but we want to dig up that old body and carry it around and, and... Act as if we're still living in that old self. Paul says you're new. You're a new creation. You're a new. Uh, those are the words he uses in Ephesians. You're a new creation. You're a new creature. You're. You have a new life. You're a child of God now, and and as a result of being a child of God, you're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So you're no longer connected to that old self. That sin no longer has a place in your life. Why? Because you are. Join heirs with Jesus Christ. We no longer suffer at the hands of sin, he says in verse 17, but instead we're being changed, transformed, made righteous. Where He, he uses the word glorified. And what he's talking about is, is that we're being made into a new creation. God is changing you. When you get... Uh, uh, when. Nate, when he gave, uh, gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ, he became a new creation. He looks the same on the outside. We didn't go and bury him out in the cemetery. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad you're not out there in the cemetery? But his old self is, is dead and buried with Christ. He's a new creation. He's a new child of God. He's a joint heir with Jesus Christ because he gave his heart and life to Jesus. And God is changing him and molding him into his image, glorifying him, verse 17 says, so that when he comes face to face with God in heaven, he will be the glorified child of God that God desires for him to be. And that's the same for you and me when we give our heart and life to Jesus. 
God is changing us, glorifying us, so that we will be the new creation He desires for us to be. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Amen. Say amen. 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 Let's join together in prayer.